You're listening to Marketing Matters on Business Radio. Welcome back to Marketing Matters, Sirius XM 132. I'm Barbara Kahn, the Patty and J.H. Baker Professor of Marketing, and I'm joined by my co-host, Americus Reed, the Whitney M. Young Jr. Professor of Marketing and the Brand Identity Theorist. Today, in our Spotlight segment, we are joined by Elisa Bloom, who's the Executive Director of the Philadelphia Fashion Incubator at Macy's City Center. Elisa, thank you so much for joining us today. Barbara, great to be with you and Americus. Thanks for having me. And I believe, Elisa, you were the very first guest on the show the very first time we did this. Isn't that true? I was. We were the very first show that you did, myself and Ed Goldberg. Ed Goldberg was one of the founding sponsors through Macy's, um, who was very instrumental in us getting the Philadelphia Fashion Incubator launched 10 years ago. Yeah, so that so it's really it's, it was 10 years ago. My God, that means the show's been 10 years. That's kind of amazing. And it also means that your fashion incubator at, at Philadelphia Macy City Center has been 10 years. So just I am not sure America's knows. You and I go back way, way back, but I don't think America's and probably everybody else listening has any idea what we're talking about. So why don't you tell us why you were on the show, what the fashion incubator was, why actually we were so happy um, to have you be on the show then. Sure. So the Philadelphia Fashion Incubator is really an exciting initiative that has taken place here in the city of Philadelphia, where the civic, corporate, and academic communities all came together. And that was with one main mission, and it was to nurture the next generation of Philadelphia fashion entrepreneurs. And with our founding sponsors of Macy's, who provides us with some space inside of the historical Wanamaker building, along with our civic partners, the city of Philadelphia and Center City District, and the schools, um, which we are very lucky, Barbara, to be home to some incredible top, top fashion schools here in the country, um, Drexel University, Moore College of Art and Design, and Jefferson University. And um, we all came together and formed this one-year residency, which was all about the business of fashion. So really thinking about um, a one-year MBA program for fashion designers and really helping them build, scale, and grow their companies. Interesting. Quick question for you. Here, here's something that I want to get a uh, quick, quick, quick sort of hot take from both of you. What is Philly fashion? Does, does Philly have its own brand of fashion, its own You're style? Like Seattle grunge. Yeah, or, what, what, is, what is the Philly brand? Miami sexy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, what have we got? And don't say the Rocky, the Rocky statue, please. What, what have we got? Yeah, I mean, I think that Philadelphia has, uh, it's known as a maker city, and we have a lot of incredible artisan and crafts that are made here, but also I think it's like a city of functional fashion. I mean, there's some incredible brands um, that have launched here Mm. that really made a mark um, in not only Philadelphia, but nationally. Mm. Um, and just to give you an example, I mean, we have Anna Ono, who has a uh, line of intimates. Um, she wasn't part of the incubator, but she has a line of intimates um, for women that are survivors of breast cancer. We have Nancy 
Connor, who is an alumni of the incubator program, and she has a company called Smart Adaptive Clothing, um, where she created a line of shirts for men and women that have challenges with dressing. And mm. she put Velcro in the plackets and in the cuffs um, for easy on, easy off dressing for caretakers and also um, for people that need extra support. Is that your dog? <laughs> Join us on the radio show. Always fun. (laughs) (laughs) Here in Zoom land. Um, uh, So, Elisa, before we get into some of the stuff, and I love that question, Americans. I never really thought about what really fashion was. But um, let's go back a little bit in history, because I'm trying to remember now. Also, I knew at the time, but I forgot now. Why did Macy's get involved with you? I mean, I know your your background, you were a designer and you were an entrepreneur. So it really made sense that you were the one who started this. But why did Macy's support you? Well, the partnership with Macy's really came about from Ed Goldberg and uh, from Macy's um, initiative that was started in Chicago um, with Mayor Daly, and they had launched the Chicago Fashion Incubator in 2008. And that was also really to support um, their local fashion uh, sector and the community and really help to um, build uh, local businesses. And we took that similar model here in Philadelphia because Barbara, 10 years ago, There were no initiatives, no resources for emerging designers that were looking to start and grow their businesses. But that being said, I mean, we don't work with, even though we say emerging uh, designers, we really work with designers that already have a business up and running anywhere from six months to three plus years. So they're already established and have built a foundation for themselves um, with their branding and their product and they already have sales and we're really here to further help them build scale and expand um, their platform that they've already established. So I know you give them trade. I mean, I know that you've come to Wharton and to Baker Retailing Center here at University of Pennsylvania to learn a little bit about marketing and branding. But I think you've also worked with a lot of the industry people to help them learn how to scale, supply, like every aspect of a business. Is that kind of what you're training them in? Absolutely. And, you know, the big elephant in the room is always, number one, manufacturing. That's always a challenge, um, especially uh, for designers that are just starting out. So how can they really find the right manufacturing partners and the right sources um, to get the right pricing to bring it um, to market, really help them scale their brands? And then another big aspect, and we're so thankful for you um, giving some workshops to our designers every year on marketing is the marketing and, and the positioning of their brand and how they are going to um, bring their brand um, to the marketplace. So let's talk about some of it because you've been doing it for 10 years. You think you have been honored. I don't want to not acknowledge what an amazing leadership role you've done. I know you've won a lot of awards. You went internationally lecturing on this thing. You have some of the biggest names in fashion in Philadelphia on your board working with you. So you've been really amazing and probably single-handedly are responsible for the success of this program. So from, I want to thank you for everything that you've done with this program. I know you've been amazing. Um, but over the years, I've seen some of the interesting people you've brought in. And some, can you like 
I don't want to make you choose favorites because I'm sure you love all of them. Um, but they've been some really interesting businesses. Many of them, like you said, they come in with a business idea that's kind of their passion and then they build it and they frequently have just an interesting edge or a different way of looking at things. Can you give us some examples of some of the ones that stand out for you over the years? Just, just to give them a sense of some of the kinds of people that you interact with. Absolutely. So just to give you a snapshot of first the demographics, and then I'll tell you about the product categories. Um, But it's really changed and evolved over the years. When we first launched, we were focused on many millennials and recent graduates um, from the local design schools. And probably over the past five, six years, we have attracted more designers that do not have a formal design background. Um, This is their second, third career. And uh, to give you an example, I mean, we have, uh, we have JTL Designs, um, Julia Turner Lowe, who's doing plus size, has a plus size brand. And she had a whole career in education and retired and decided she, this was her passion. She wanted to launch a brand. And on that note, we also have another woman who's currently in our program, Deborah Ann Mack, who had an entire career in criminal justice and launched her brand, Deborah Ann Mack, a, a women's apparel brand, uh, two years ago, um, who's in the program. And um, exciting things about the um, products that our designers are focused on, which is much more niche. They have. Hmm very focused product categories now. So for example, with our current 2021 residency, and we have Emily Solaby, who's a former lawyer who has Juno Jones. Her brand is a line of stylish safety boots for women. And Mm. um, she's really tapped into this white space of uh, an underserved market of women that work on construction sites or Mm. in other fields that never had, you know, they had to buy men's boots. Um, Interesting. And so she's really perfected and um, she's been working at this for many years on really creating and designing, you know, the boot that is really going to be the best fitting and the most functional. And so she just launched last year and she's had great success because she has such a focused niche um, market. Right. And- Interesting. Interesting. I want to build on uh, build on what you're saying because I think this is fascinating. Uh, with two questions, one: first of all, are these functional safety boots? Are they fashionable? So, are, so are you trying to be fashionable on the construction site? That's question number one. And then question number two, which is related, which is more of a global question, is the question of as you all try to help uh, designers get the business side, is there a tension between the creative and the making money part, because I, I hear that a lot with artists who try to scale their stuff. They're always telling me that you business marketing people, leave me alone. I want to create the stuff. I want to do what I don't tell me about customer centricity and all this kind of stuff. I'm not interested in that. Let me create the art. And it, so is there is there still that kind of attention? Maybe that was all in my head, but but I got to know first about these safety boots because I may have to pick up there. <laughs> Uh, Two really good questions, America. So yes, they are fashionable, but they are, you know, beautifully made and designed, um, very basic um, leather. I mean, beautiful, like high, high quality leather. Um, They're not like crazy colors. They're brown and uh, black. 
Um, but, you know, she's really put all these, every single function that you can imagine into these safety boots. And one smart thing I do want to mention about Emily is that while she was designing these boots, um, she had developed a private Facebook community called Hazard Girls. And so she already was building cool. up a target audience yeah, and was getting cool. feedback along the way as she was designing the boots. And last year, she um, was offered her own podcast called Hazard Girls. So cool. she's really kind of tapped in from a marketing perspective mm-hmm. of her audience and her people. So they're so loyal and give her incredible feedback. And she's already um, well on her way designing her, her second boot um, that is going to be launching next year. Um, but to your point about the challenge with designers that have this more you know creative artistic brain and not so much the business side I mean I think it's really about um, and this is what we do at the incubator is really helping them um, really shift to an entrepreneurial mindset to really think about okay is this a hobby that I'm doing or is this really going to be my career or is this really going to be what is going to support me and um, really helping them make that mind shift. Um, But then we do have a lot of designers. I mean, everyone is so much about thoughtful designing, especially over the past year, two years. I think the pandemic has given our designers a lot of time to really think deeply about the why of what they're doing and why they're putting product out there and why they wanna do a fashion brand. Um, So many of our designers are really focused on slow fashion, on small batch production, on really um, developing those relationships and the connection with their customers. And, you know, I always compare it to the food industry, how the connection that people have really shown an interest to what with the farmer's markets and the food trucks and farm to table and really wanting to know what they're putting into their bodies. And I feel that is slowly happening, but it's really reached a tipping point that people are much more aware and want to know who's making their clothes mm-hmm. and you know how is it made? And you know, what are the different techniques that that were made with them? Another example that I wanted to bring up is Nicole Muhammad, who's currently in our program. She has a modest wear brand called So Elevated. She's a PhD psychologist. She's still working in the field um, as she's working on her fashion brand. And it was because she couldn't find modest wear clothes that were well-made and stylish and classic that really inspired her to launch her brand So Elevated. So the designers, then we have two, um, well, three kind of art to wear brands um, that are also in the incubator residency currently, Danielle Tobin from El Tobin, um, Madison Chamberlain, and also a really interesting brand called Samsara Sari, um, which was started by former architect Namita Reddy. And she has um, taken traditional antique and uh, modern saris, and she is oh, wow. um, creating a uh, Re- repurposing beautiful. them into a lifestyle brand and she's of Indian descent and saw her her mother had closets full of saris oh the saris are spectacular that's so awesome yeah, really you know finding a way to repurpose them and give them a new life these beautiful 
I think that over the years, it's my recollection, you've had a lot of people who come in from different kinds of different cultures, other mm. countries from Africa, India, maybe even mm-hmm. Asia, I can't remember. And they've mm-hmm. used some of their intuition and heritage to build kind of an Americanized version mm. of some of those things that they're bringing. I think it, what I've been struck by when I've met some of your designers is many times it's, it's the way Americus is characterizing. So it's really interesting to have his point of view on this. You know, they're artists, they're, they're musicians you know, like creating their own music or creating their own art. Mm-hmm. Many times they're taking it in. Sometimes it's functional, but a lot of times it's at least in my, my observation that they are bringing in their own aesthetic or their own culture and mm-hmm. trying to create some kind of unique view of fashion. I mm-hmm. think a lot of your designers come in that way. That's what makes them very interesting to me. And that slow food analogy or metaphor is kind of like that. You know, mm-hmm. they start from mm-hmm. the beginning and many of them sew their own clothes initially, right? They, I mean, a lot of them really. Yeah, yeah. a lot of them are doing it themselves or they're hiring uh, local uh, sample makers to do it. And then, you know, that's been as I mentioned, like a big elephant in the room is, you know, finding the right production and the right, right, right. resources that they can work with that, that will work with them and, you know, grow with them. Um, and, uh, as, as they're growing their brands, you know, and one of the things, again, going back to your question, America's, cause it is kind of interesting to compare it to musicians or artists at least. And, and you can disagree with me, Elisa, but I felt like as much as they do feel passionate about their fashion, for sure, they are in this program to make it work as a business. <laughs> Fair so enough. Fair they are enough. very open to all the different skills that they yes. feel like they need, because I think they they very much it's not as much a passion pro- project. You know, it is really hopefully a commerce project. Um, but I, I just want to just sorry, just to jump in on that. I mean, I think that. That's a great point, Barbara. And I just, I'm still stuck on this hazard group. That's hot, man. <laughs> I mean, that's just kick ass because it's sort of like, there's a whole world out there of like important work that has to be done that, you know, if America stops publishing papers, the world goes on. But if, if buildings stop, get, stop being built, the economy stops. And so like, there's this whole, like, you know what I mean? This is this thing out there. And, I, and I'm just picturing T-shirts and like celebrating the power and empowerment <laughs> of women. I, I love this. Sorry. It's a, it's a bit of an aside. I'm taking us a little bit off track. Please continue, Barbara. But I'm just, I'm stuck. I want to get my daughter as 10 years old, a hazard girl T-shirt because it's, it's right. It's perfect for her identity. But sorry, go ahead. And she does have T-shirts on her website. <laughs> um, but I, I think what you're really tapping into, Americus, is that this is such an underserved market that no one had addressed for many, many years. And Juno Jones is one of the, you know, few companies um, that has really uh, now, you know, taking a, a you know, serving, serving this market and uh, really listening to the customers and, and what they need and what they want. So let me just change a little bit. Not only do you run this fashion incubator and really nurture these designers and every year there's new ones and you put them out into the world and make their contacts and teach them and stuff. You've also been pretty connected in the community. Um, And I know that you're very instrumental in Philadelphia Fashion Week. That's not one of the fashion weeks that kind of the world knows about it's not like new york or milan or tokyo but can you tell us a little bit about what happens in philadelphia fashion week and the role you and your designers play there sure but well, we participate every season in philadelphia fashion week and that was started by kevin 
Parker and Carrie Scott, and they also started around the same time I did, well, more than 10 years ago. Um, but the exciting thing what's happening in Philadelphia right now, Barber in Americas, is that all of the fashion leaders, um, from myself to Kevin and Carrie to Rachel Ford at Made Institute, um, to Elena Brennan, who's at Bust Up Boutique, and other leaders, Michelle Shannon at Center City District, we've all banded together and we formed a task force um, that is supported by, um, and we, we work with the city on various initiatives. And one of the initiatives is manufacturing. Another one is um, with events and um, business of fashion for designers. Um, so it's been really exciting to see all of all of us banding together and really seeing all the incredible fashion that is just like percolating. And I mean, I've been doing this 10 years now and there were like a handful of designers. And now, I mean, there's some incredible mm -hmm. designers that are based here in Philly. And it's really exciting just to see the support um, that we're all getting and, and giving and just to mm -hmm. really come together um, as a city um, to really uplift and, put a spotlight on all the great things happening here in Philadelphia's fashion community. Other than uh, issues with manufacturing, Eliza, what, what were some of the pandemic issues in the fashion world? Help me understand a bit of when the pandemic hit and we were going through all of that time in the last year and a half, what, 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 how did the fashion, were there certain things going on in the fashion world that were interesting or trends that you were seeing and but sort of besides maybe challenges of getting the stuff made and things of like that because of supply chain issues, were there other things that were, were interestingly, you know, on your radar? Yeah, no, great question, Americas. And I think because of our designers being very early stages with their businesses and not holding a lot of inventory, there was actually, it created an opportunity um, for our designers um, to really get connected and focused on who their target market was. So many of our designers spent a lot of time on their market research on really getting to know um, who the target market was, um, really focused, obviously, um, mo most of our designers are doing a combination of wholesale and direct to consumer um, with a big, heavy focus on direct to consumer, but just really focusing on their digital marketing, on their SEO, and really being able to set themselves up um, for success on that side. And I think also, as I said, just really kind of questioning and taking the time to think about the why of what they're doing and mm -hmm. That's what huge. they're creating. Because nobody needs another blouse or another jacket or another bag. Um, so really getting um, very focused on who the target market is and um, also, you know, the sustainability um, has been such a big buzzword over the years, but now I feel like it's really reached a tipping point where all of our designers in the program are focused on sustainability. Oh, that's excellent. Um, and most of them are focused on producing locally too. Yeah, I mean, you're seeing the whole luxury fashion world kind of adopt that. And they, I mean, they were not sustainable. You know, they used to burn extra clothing and things like that, which is certainly not a good thing for the universe or the environment. Um, you know, given that you're really in touch with designers and young people and thinking about these issues, as we come out of the pandemic, everybody's trying to decide what we're going to be wearing to work. Um, do your designers have some thought about that? Like, you know, we've all been in our sweats for the last year and a half. What 
what's it going to look like when we actually get out of our little boxes and go into real offices? I think it's going to be more functional and fashionable clothing that can be worn in many different ways. So having not, you know, just a suit anymore, but something that they could wear, you know, to work, but also wear out at night um, from day to night or, you know, more also investment pieces, like people are really looking coming out of this pandemic, you know, really much more discerning with their wallet and what they're purchasing. So wanting to find pieces that they're going to add to their collection or add to their wardrobe that are really going to be special and original and um, something that, that they love and that they want to, um, you know, share, oh, I bought this from this local designer and this is their process or, you know, really being able to be a part of some of these designers um, brands and share their stories. You're a great spokesperson. When I ask you about the future, you direct all of us right to your designers. (laughs) (laughs) Smart. (laughs) So um, let me ask you one last question. We just have a few seconds left. Is it mostly female or do you do stuff for men? We do work with men. We've had uh, about six men that have come through the program. Um, And uh, we mostly are working with women and minority owned businesses. Um, But we had Prajay Oscar was in our program in 2019. Um, We also had Nigel Richards. Um, We had Conrad Booker, who's now serving on our board. Um, and uh, other other male designers that have come through the program. Um, nice. So yeah, we're open to everyone and anyone. And we've worked with so many different product categories from bridal to children's wear to streetwear to lounge wear, um, as I mentioned, um, some of the modest wear and shoes. So it's been really exciting just to see, like even though these designers have such different product categories and maybe different um, target markets, they all have very similar business challenges. Um, And to be able to bring them together in this one residency um, to support them and connect them to industry resources and um, the right people to uh, really help them build and grow their companies has been like, I'm, I'm just proud. I'm really happy. Well, you've been doing a wonderful job. It's really thanks to all your talent and initiative that this program is so successful. So thank you so much for joining us today. And where can our listeners go to keep up with you in the Philadelphia Fashion Incubator? PhiladelphiaFashionIncubator.com. Okay, easy enough. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you very much. That's all we have time for today. Big thanks to Professor Americus Reed for being my co-host. And we'd like to thank our audio engineer, Dion Simpkins, Chris Tooks, and of course, our producer, Dana Cash. We're here every Wednesday from 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern time, and we replay our show several times throughout the week. You can follow us on Twitter at SXM Marketing, and you can follow Business Radio at SXM. XM Business for information about all our programming. Thank you for listening. Till then, this has been Marketing Matters. I'm Barbara Kahn here with America's Read, Business Radio, Sirius XM 132.